Welcome to Thriving with ADHD, a podcast where we'll share everyday practical tips to thrive in life as an adult with ADHD. This podcast is brought to you by Animosano Psychiatry, a behavioral health practice with a specialist ADHD clinic based in North Carolina. And this is your host, Nada Pupovac. Welcome to the new season of Thriving with ADHD, dear ADHD community. We are delighted to be back after the summer break. We can't wait to explore ADHD and mental health-related topics with our amazing medical team and guests. And certainly, there is no better way to kick off our second season than having Animosano's PAC, Madison Henley, with us. Madison and I are going to discuss ADHD in females. Before we jump into the conversation, here is a bit more about Madison. Madison is a dedicated physician assistant with a passion for mental health care. She has worked in outpatient behavioral health care since 2021. Her commitment to providing compassionate and comprehensive care is evident in her approach always ensuring that her patients feel heard, understood, and supported. Madison, I am really excited to have you back in the new season of our podcast. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So uh, we have an uh, important topic today, and uh, it's ADHD in females. How to recognize it, how it is different, challenges, and so on. So uh, let's get started. Um, I suppose my first question for you is, why is it challenging to recognize ADHD in girls and women? Yeah, um, yeah, so I can get into those. Um, I think that a lot of times, especially, I don't know, just thinking back, like, before I got into to medicine and, and behavioral health and specifically, like, mm-hmm. I would always hear this picture of, of ADHD, and I feel like everybody always just assumed that whenever somebody was talking about ADHD, they were like referring to this like super hyperactive young boy that was bouncing off the walls and in the classroom or something like that. And I feel like that just kind of goes to show like how maybe it's, it's just a lot more recognized in in boys and men than maybe it is in in girls and as we get older and into women. Um, and so I, I think that that's also led to ADHD just being predominantly more studied in, in boys and um, even like the criteria and, and diagnosis and all of that, like just being observed in, in younger boys as they're growing up and, and into adulthood. Um, and while maybe boys tend to have a lot of those uh, hyperactive symptoms, like girls sometimes are, are maybe a little bit more often have some of the inattentive symptoms that are sometimes a little bit less noticeable than the hyperactive symptoms. Um, and so, yeah, the the impulsivity too tends to be maybe more common in boys and, and more recognized because it can lead to kind of more, I, I guess uh, that's a, um, an opinion, but more uh, like damageable effects mm-hmm. or, or so forth. Um, and that the girls and women might kind of internalize some of those symptoms that mm-hmm. and then that might lead to other difficulties like depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. other behavioral health uh, symptoms mm-hmm. that can kind of spiral off of those. Um, and then also just kind of society as a whole having uh, certain expectations and 
kind of stereotypes about mm-hmm. uh, gender roles that uh-huh. like, might overshadow some of those symptoms uh, in females. And I, I think I'll get into that a little bit later too. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, that's kind of why it's maybe more challenging to recognize some of those symptoms in, in girls. Um, but yeah, I can also, if you want me to go ahead and, and get into how it can sometimes present differently in the two. Yeah. So let's see how ADHD presents then in girls and women yeah and obviously none of it is um like hard and fast rules obviously anything that i'm talking about in in females can also present in in males any and vice versa so um so yeah i presume predominantly maybe yeah yeah um and and maybe some of the more unrecognized ones and things like that but Mm -hmm. oftentimes in women uh the manifestation of adhd uh, kind of leans, like I said, towards a, a higher prevalence of those inattentive symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can have a range of different things, like uh, having trouble maintaining focusing on tasks, uh, forgetting small details, um, careless mistakes, uh, maybe just feeling like generally a little bit disorganized mm-hmm. um, in maybe a bunch of different areas like work, school, home life, um, personal life. Uh, and so then those things might be a little bit more subtle and, and that might be a little bit more challenging for uh, not only providers, but like the individual themselves to identify as different indicators of ADHD. Um, I think, too, women uh, with ADHD sometimes tend to internalize those symptoms, like I mentioned before. And so uh, maybe just knowing that ADHD is less common in, in females or, or feeling like it's less commonly in, mm-hmm. in females, they they might assume like, oh, like these things aren't aren't actually ADHD. Like I'm just struggling with with getting my things organized or, or being on time. Um, and so that can also lead to like low self-esteem and, and things mm. like that, doubting uh, whether or not they're they're able to achieve what they're wanting to achieve. Um, so anxiety can be pretty commonly comorbid with mm. ADHD in women, um, even from what I've seen in uh, clinical practice too. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of times it, it can be very damaging to self-esteem and uh, just feeling anxious and really getting into like, well, why are you feeling anxious? And they're like, oh, because my my boss is on to me about this. I missed this deadline. I forgot to pay this bill. And and so it, it really can like impact a bunch of um, different areas, creating a lot of stress, worry, uh, which then can sometimes worsen ADHD symptoms. So uh, yeah. And um, a lot of times, too. So I, I mentioned before, like, ADHD tends to be characterized by hyperactivity, impulsivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times when we think of that, we're, we're picturing um, maybe, maybe males instead. Um, and that can include uh, things like restlessness, um, not wanting to sit still, uh, whether that's at class, work, meetings. Um and then maybe just acting on things impulsively. Mm. Uh, a lot of times we'll see like spending habits as, as an impulsive thing, maybe interrupting people when they're talking, um, different kind of impulsive behaviors like that. Uh-huh. And so they're they're a little bit more over easier to kind of recognize, especially from caregivers from a young age, teachers in the uh-huh. in the classroom, um, and and even like as we're getting older, like in relationships and things like that. They're just they the hyperactive tend uh, symptoms tend to be a little bit more easier to kind of pinpoint uh, and maybe label as being ADHD compared to the inattentive uh, symptoms. Uh, so yeah, 
I think that's where maybe part of the the diagnostic gap comes from uh, in recognizing ADHD. Um, and then I, I also mentioned too, like the societal expectations of women being labeled mm. as like caregivers or, or the nurturers. And so sometimes I feel like that can kind of mask the extent uh, that they struggle with uh, different symptoms and kind of leading to a delay in diagnosis at times uh, just because they have all of these other rules sometimes, not to say that mental, because I, I know there there are some dads out there that do those things too, but, um, but yeah, um, just those those kind of gender roles that, that are labeled on people mm. in the society sometimes. Um, and that internalization can kind of overlap with over uh, with other mental health conditions too. And so sometimes it's trying to, to kind of tease out, like I said, um, like if somebody initially comes to me and they're just like, yeah, I'm just feeling really anxious. And then we really get into it and mm -hmm. we're finding out all of the reasons why they're anxious. Mm -hmm. And then we're kind of seeing the root cause of like, well, yeah, you're anxious because you're, you're super disorganized and you're never on yeah. time and you have a really hard time starting and finishing tasks and, and all of these things. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, I, I think that answers the question. <laughs> Okay, so can we talk a bit more about the actual symptoms of ADHD in young girls and women? Yes. Um, so yeah, sometimes we see in, in younger girls that some of the difficulty focusing and so like examples of that might be um, like having trouble persistently with staying focused at, on different tasks, uh, maybe in school and at home, uh, not being able to follow through with like chores or um, maybe just drifting off in class and, and losing their train of thought, things like that. Um, and so sometimes that can be uh, maybe misconstrued as lack of interest or, or motivation when really it's just them having a lot of trouble actually sustaining that attention. Um, forgetfulness is another one. Um, they might misplace things, uh, forget what instructions you gave them to do something. Um, and it's it's important to note that it's not like an intentional forgetfulness. It's really just a symptom of mm -hmm. that different wiring of their brain um, where they're having those memory and, and organization skills. Um, and so that can be that can come out as uh, frustration sometimes in, in younger uh, girls as well. Um, like I said, kind of going along with that uh, trouble organi organizing tasks um, and activities. So um, maybe not being able to plan their time efficiently, maybe not being on time, like when you ask them to get ready, uh, not completing assignments, uh, having trouble like participating in extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it really can hinder like their academic progress, uh, social participation, uh, different things like that. Um, being easily distracted is a, a big one, um, kind of finding it hard to focus on just one task without uh, getting distracted by that noise over there or somebody walking across the room. Um, and that's something that, that can be a little bit easier to pick up on, like in the school setting, um, in the classroom setting. Mm -hmm. uh, daydreaming is a, another big one in women, uh, mm -hmm. that it, or it tends to be a little bit more common in women. Um, that is pretty easy to go uh, under-recognized as well, just because they, they're they having their their own little world and they're uh, kind of staring off in the space and not maybe focusing on on what is less interesting in front of them or, or in class or what their parents are saying or what have you. 
Um, and then I, I mentioned like sometimes trouble following instructions. So uh, things with multiple steps or, or forgetting some of those steps. And uh, sometimes even that could be like perceived as being disobedient or um, they're not trying or they're lazy or, or different things like that. Mm. Um, so those were, were some that might be more common uh, growing up. And then kind of as we age and, and get into adulthood, um, those can lead to kind of chronic feelings of feeling overwhelmed, uh, maybe experiencing um, kind of that building upon being so disorganized and, and so trouble with keeping up and, and being on time. And then just kind of this chronic feeling of of overwhelm and I can't do it because all of these things are stacking up and, and now there's no way that I can get mm. to all of them now. Um, a lot of times we'll see that they are very poor at managing time. They cannot make it to anything on time. They, they lose track of time. Um, it, we call it time blindness sometimes mm -hmm. uh, with some of my patients just because it, it really is it's like you you need to have that physical clock in front of you to mm -hmm. to be able to be aware of what time it is um, and so that can lead to missing deadlines which uh, then can increase stress especially if it's affecting people um, academically or, mm -hmm. or in the job setting um, or even in, in their personal lives um, and so self-esteem, feeling unachieved, uh, different things like that. Um, I mentioned kind of that cycle of anxiety and depression that mm -hmm. a lot of times we see where you're really anxious because you have all of these things stacking up or, mm -hmm. or feeling down about it, but then you, you're you finding less motivation because you're anxious or feeling down. And um, so that you really do tend to eat off of one another. Um, and so that can even kind of bleed over and, and start um, making it harder to maintain relationships uh, due to kind of all of that. Um, and so that's a, another one there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that's some of the, the more common ones or, or some of the presentations that we see um, with symptoms. Okay, so it seems to me that uh, often ADHD could be perhaps recognized and or judged as a character trait rather than uh, being detected as actual uh, condition uh, in women and girls just because of the way it presents. So yeah. um, is it uh, why uh, ADHD is often overlooked and uh, misdiagnosed in women or are there some other reasons perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I mean, part of it is, it, there's probably a wide range of reasons, but yeah. uh, part of it's probably just because, like I said, sometimes the symptoms can be a little bit more subtle in women. Mm -hmm. um, they they can be subtle, internalized, kind of compared to, to men, mm -hmm. um, and that might make it more challenging for healthcare professionals to identify it, um, mm -hmm. and like even just growing up. Uh, for caretakers who are are typically the ones identifying those sorts of things in childhood. Um, and I, I think too, just a lot of the studies have been kind of predominantly centered around males as well. So, so that could be another reason. Um, I think too, like the overlap of ADHD with other mental health conditions, mm. um, the, the symptoms can kind of coincide with other things like anxiety and depression. And so it's kind of a, a complex clinical picture sometimes. And so mm -hmm. that can potentially lead to a misdiagnosis or, or treatment plans that aren't working 
because um, maybe it isn't just depression, it isn't just anxiety. Um, mm. And I, I think too, that that even goes into a, a whole other tangent of that we, we could get into another time. But um, <laughs> like just in our society today, I think a lot of even healthcare providers are so like averse to prescribing things like stimulants that in their head, they're like, well, they have anxiety. Let's just label it as anxiety because I don't want to prescribe a stimulant or, or different mm-hmm. things like that. And so even like as healthcare providers, I think with men and women, that can be a um, kind of barrier to a diagnosis just because uh, of the stigma that comes along with a lot of the treatment options uh-huh, with uh, uh-huh, with ADHD. Uh-huh. But we'll save that for, for a different Some time. other conversation. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, also just societal um expectations or, yeah. or stereotypes in general with yeah. uh, kind of thinking like, well, women should behave like this or, or I don't know. I, I feel like that can uh, influence yeah. the perception of ADHD symptoms and yeah. in, in certain demographics. Uh, so yeah, we we often think like of our, our moms as being like nurturing, attentive, organized, and, and not the kind of chaotic person who couldn't get us to soccer practice on time or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's sometimes that stigma there. Um, and then just the the ability to develop all of these coping mechanisms that maybe help to mask some of those symptoms. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm trying to think of ones in specific that some of my patients have said, but uh, they're like, well, well, yeah, I, I am really bad at organizing my time, but I have this Google calendar now that I can literally plug in everything to. And I, I base my life off of this thing, but if I didn't have it, I would be all over the place and never to anything on time. So, I mean, there's all of these different coping mechanisms that people can do. Um, I have one patient that works in healthcare and she'll like put different things in her pockets to remember like what she needs to grab when she goes out of the room or or different Mm -hmm. things like that. And so they come up with these different kind of coping strategies to kind of mask some of those symptoms that they've been dealing with their whole life. Uh, That that might be kind of another reason why it could be overlooked Mm -hmm. um, because they found these ways to kind of deal with them since it's been going on for so long. All Um, right. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll talk about coping strategies uh, a bit later, but I first want to touch on uh, what are the consequences of the condition not being recognized? Yeah, um, a lot. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think we could break it up. I mean, obviously, there's academic consequences uh, growing up. Um, I think, though, it, it's it's hard sometimes when patients have a, a high IQ or they are, like, really high-achieving mm. students. And um, I, I feel like sometimes there's a stigma that you can't have ADHD and get good grades. But mm. I do see sometimes where like in elementary school or, or growing up in kind of grade school, they were able to kind of get by just because the material was easy to them and, and they were naturally mm. really smart. But then once they mm. get to college and things pick up, they don't have the structure that they had at home, things like that. The symptoms just kind of spiral out of control. Um, and so certainly in an academic setting, um, career underachievement, uh, maybe not being able to move up in their career if they're not uh, meeting deadlines, uh, looking, appealing to their their supervisors, things like that. Um, kind of that, that chaotic presentation that mm-hmm. sometimes we see. Um, increased risk, like I said, with, 
comorbid conditions, anxiety, depression being kind of two of the big ones, insomnia, I know we've talked about that in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are are big kind of comorbid conditions. Mm. Um, Struggles with self-esteem, self-worth, those are big ones. Obviously, if they're kind of continuing down this this disorganized lifestyle, um, not getting the treatment that is correct, um, and and maybe it being labeled as something else, uh, then it, it's very common to just kind of feel this low self-esteem um, because you're you're not able to achieve all of the things that, that maybe you're setting out to do um, or wrap up those, uh, those details and projects or um, schoolwork and everything. Um, also difficulty with relationships Mm -hmm. uh I have I have a lot of patients who they're like well yeah my partner said this my partner said that and it's like yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, ADHD (laughs) definitely impacts the relationships um Mm -hmm. like I said things like interrupting impulsivity can be big ones but even Mm -hmm. just uh, not paying attention when your partner's talking or not listening to what they're saying or not being able to finish your chores around the house and and maybe your partner's feeling like things are really one-sided uh Mm -hmm. so those can be just some of the the many uh, repercussions of uh, ADHD in relationships. But then um, another big one too that we see is uh, if ADHD is improperly treated, sometimes there can be an increased risk of substance use um, Mm. as well, Uh, not only from just impulsivity, but uh, just kind of those uh, not feeling like any of the medications are working or, or things like that, they might turn to to other substances instead. Mm, um, mm. So yeah, those are are some of the the different kind of consequences there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned a few nice coping strategies that uh, our patients have to help them manage uh, ADHD knowingly or unknowingly. So uh, if you can maybe talk more about strategies have proven most effective for, uh, well, I suppose not just for women, but for everyone coping with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always tell my patients, like, obviously medication isn't perfect and there's, there's things you're going to have to do on your own to kind of help bridge that gap. Um, I think therapy is one of the the big things that can be a really good coping strategy um, in itself, just having somebody else there to kind of drive you and and push you to implement maybe the the coping strategies alone that you're trying to do yourself. maybe somebody to bounce ideas off things like that um and just somebody who is uh, a supportive person in, in your corner um different organizational tools i mentioned uh google calendar that's a big one mm-hmm. um definitely other other forms of calendars i know some of the therapists that that see some of my patients they recommend them having like a physical uh planner uh with mm-hmm. them all the time because you're writing it down remembering it better it's with you all the time things like that um, obviously though we have our phones with us all the time, most of the time. Um, and so there's a ton of different apps out there. I, I think we have some of them on your website, but, um, sometimes I'll, I'll look into those and I feel like I have patients telling me every day, like different new apps that they found that, um, that really help with, uh, organization and, and just like keeping all of their stuff together, their tasks managed, uh, kind of 
sorting out what needs to be done first what can wait a couple days what can Mm -hmm. wait a couple weeks things Mm -hmm. like that for for more effective time management um I think too uh having a a really good support system is a good coping mechanism uh having people that are going to understand the challenges that Mm -hmm. that our patients with ADHD are facing so that um maybe they'll they'll provide a little bit more support and not uh, kind of jump to, well, why do you do it that way? Why why aren't you doing it this way kind of yeah. thing? Um, yeah, and, and just coping through other outlets like physical activity, making sure you're getting good sleep, uh, different things like that, eating, eating good meals. Mm. Um, all of those things are really important as well. Um, but yeah, I... I think that there are a lot of tools available to ADHD patients now, especially with, with all of the technology that we have. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think we are big on not only, uh, treating ADHD uh, with medication, but also having all these other, uh, non-medical means to manage the condition. So it's very, very important. And you mentioned some of them. So um, to conclude this episode, if uh, there is one most important thing that you would like our listeners to take out from uh, this episode, what that would be? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the, the most important takeaway would be that ADHD in women is commonly unrecognized mm-hmm. uh, or maybe just misunderstood in a way um, and that it's it is important to be aware of the different ways that it can present in women uh, compared to, to men um, so that we can maybe recognize it a little bit earlier on, uh, especially in childhood before things maybe spiral out of control yes. um, or just to improve like quality of life. Like I've had so many women who were like, oh, my parents were always like, that couldn't be ADHD. And then we start them on treatment and, and um, after a, a proper diagnosis and they're like, my life is is so much different now. Like I'm doing so well at work. Um, all of my friends are noticing. My my partner is impressed. Like I I really think that it's just so important to get the correct diagnosis because if we're not treating the right thing, then it's like it's no wonder it's not responding to an antidepressant because it's not depression and and different yes. things like that. And yes. so I think it's just really important for their quality of life to make sure that we're getting the correct diagnosis, getting the correct treatment plan uh, so that we can kind of help them live up to their full potential and, and feel uh, achieved and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much. I feel hopeful uh, after this conversation with you and uh hopefully this will encourage women to seek help to test themselves it, it could be that it's not ADHD, but if it is, the quality of their life could be uh, so much better. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. And um, thanks for coming back to our podcast. And I hope uh, we'll see you with some new topic uh, very soon. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Thriving with ADHD. This show is produced by Animal Sano Psychiatry. Please follow, rate, or share our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming app of your choice. 
Music is by Daddy's Music from Pixabay. For more information about Animosano Psychiatry, please visit animosanopsychiatry.com.